there, but tonight uh, God really, really spoke to my heart and, and challenged me. Uh, things that are going on uh, culturally, even the time of year that we're in, uh, it's very easy to start getting at ease. It's very easy to start letting things, uh, letting things slip and letting things slide. And really, God spoke to my heart and has been challenging me in the area of self motivation, uh, getting yourself going, and it's 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 easy to kind of just settle. We have the expression, water finds its own level. You put water, you dump it out, it's just going to find a spot to where, okay, now I don't have to move anymore. Um, That's just what water does. You put it on the top of a hill, it'll roll down to find somewhere good. I can just stay here. I don't have to move anymore. It'll stay there until something else forces it to move. You know, we've had a water fountain out here for a lot of years. I believe it was put in in 2011. Uh, I've never come in one morning to see the water having decided to, you know what, I feel like getting up and running up this pipe this morning and getting this waterfall going so people can enjoy it. No, it's got to go in, turn the switch, turn the motor on, and force the water to move. It doesn't just do it on its own. It likes to find just, just a state of rest. And a lot of things are naturally like that. We like to do the bare minimum. You, th- you think of, a, of an animal. It's going to do what it needs to, to eat and to stay warm and to, um, to have children. and raise, But just whatever's required. You don't see any cows out in the field saying, man, I'm looking for a plow today. I want to get something, I want to get something done. No, they're going to they're gonna sit there and they're going to eat hay all day if they can get away with it. They're just going just gonna to find that way to um, stay, stay at rest. Man has been searching for um, hundreds of years, uh, if not thousands of years, for a perpetual motion machine. I don't know if you've ever seen these. They, they, sent, they tend to pop up in the YouTube algorithm um, that, hey, look at this perpetual motion machine attempt that somebody made. And they've got weights and balances and stuff spinning. And the idea is if I get this going on its own, it should have enough energy on its own to keep going. Um, but nothing works that way because of, because of physics, because of science, that it's going to come to a point, no matter how, how perfect perfect the system is, that wheel is going to stop spinning if you're not putting new effort into it. It's going to get to that point of rest. It's going to get to that point of stasis. Things like to do the minimum. That's the default. Same is true with most people. We like to get away with, with doing the minimum. And this is, this is even, you say, well, there are those, there are those people who are, who are workaholics. And some people would put myself in that category. You just always seem to be busy uh, doing something. But those types of people that I've talked to and, and considering myself, what, what motivates that in me is because I know I can default to doing nothing. Inside of me, I know that if I'm not forcing myself to do something, I'm going to default to doing nothing. Because if I allowed myself, I could spend 12 hours on the day watching TV. If I allowed myself, I could spend uh, a a lot of time playing a video game. I I could let myself get there, and so I don't let myself do that. I'm bothered because of my training from my dad to not be accomplishing things. But my default is to do nothing. So to overcome that, I motivate myself to, to do something. And that's a lot of motivated people are that way, that they would, they've admitted, I've talked to them, and they say, well, I know that I can be that guy doing nothing, and so I push myself, and maybe I do it too much, but we, we stay busy. But the, the default for a lot of things and a lot of people is, is that, that uh, stasis, is that rest, is that not accomplishing, getting comfortable. Uh, as Pastor preached on Sunday night, we'll, message, we'll reference the message a few times, but the idea of a rut, we can just get there, we can get stuck, we can just do what we have to do, just get by, just get through. And when it comes to young people, I deal with young people a lot, there's a disease that a lot of them catch. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, the disease called senioritis. 
Um, anybody ever hear of the disease senioritis? What is senioritis? Senioritis is, is a disease that many young people catch in their 12th grade year of school where they're almost done and they stop caring. And they say, you know what? I'm going to be out of here, so why even bother? Uh, it's the apathy that, that, that sets in. They say, you know what? I've got my grades. They're kind of locked in. I'm going to graduate in three weeks. It doesn't matter. Why should I even show up? Why should I even put any effort in? There's one time where I, where I have a vivid memory of, of having a moment like this that happened to myself in, in college with another young man. We were up at a hotel, and we were studying for a major test. It was a final exam, major test the next day, and it was a test on the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. Very difficult test. I believe there's 150 questions, if I remember right, on this test. And uh, you had to list the king, which... Part which country he was from, king of Judah, king of Israel, the years that he reigned from, how old he was when he started, how old he was when he died or when he left the throne, and um, two or three major accomplishments, and you had to list them in order, kings of Judah, kings of Israel. And incredibly, you can tell I have trauma still from this test that we, that we took. Well, we were up studying, myself and this other young man, uh, working together at, at 1, 2 in the morning. We're studying, we're preparing for this test. The reason we were up at a hotel studying is because um, he worked there at the hotel, uh, working nights. And uh, I, was, uh, I had several other jobs at the time. Both of us worked a lot of hours. And so we didn't have a lot of time during the day to study. If I was back at the dorm, I'd be required to go to bed because they have lights out. So I went to his hotel where he was working, and we studied together. About two in the morning, there's not a lot of information starting to penetrate the fog that's coming into our brains. And we're, we're not accomplishing very much. We're studying. We know we're not prepared for this test. So we took a break from doing uh, Bible history study. And we did some math because this is a final exam. How much does this test matter to our grade? That's the math we were trying to figure out. So we figured out the, the weight of the test and how much of the grade it factored into, what was his grade, what was my grade. And what we came out with after doing the math was that he had a B in the class. If he wanted to raise his B to an A, well, he would have to score 120 on this test. Well, that's not going to happen. If he was going to drop from a B to C, he would have to get below a zero on this test. So this test was not going to affect his final grade. So we did some math on mine. I had an A in the class. So for me to drop from, a, from an A to a B, I would have to score less than a 10 on the test. As long as I did better than 10%, um, I was going to uh, I was gonna be okay. So we stopped studying. <laughs> we said, you know what? This does not matter at all. You know, that was not a good test. That's not a good testimony. That's not a good thing to model. I'm telling you this because there's no young people here um, as far as, but we decided, you know what? It doesn't matter. So we're not going to do it. We settled to the minimum. I got to get 10% on this test. You have to show up. That's all you have to do. We do those two things. We're going to be good. And we, we settled for, we settled for that. Um, we settled for that minimum. We weren't pushing ourselves any, anymore. That may not have much of an impact on a small window like a test in our lives. But if we develop that habit of settling to the minimum over the long term, all those small decisions, all those, all those small windows are going to add up. The more areas that it affects in our lives for longer, the worse things are going to be. This is a major problem in society as a whole. Just this week was listening to some news on some statistics in our society right now. And we see this settling to the minimum happening kind of across the board. It seems like people are just giving up. Lockdowns uh, related to COVID played a big role in this. The government told most of the country that they were not essential and they should just go home and watch TV. 
And it seems like a lot of people believed him. He went home. And we look at what, what things are going statistically in our country. Birth rates are going down uh, in the country. Marriage rates are going down. Job involvement is down. Job seekers are down. Productivity at work is down. Have you heard of this thing called quiet quitting? It means you go to work, you collect a paycheck, but you don't do anything while you're there. And that's just whatever the minimum is, is, um, is what they want to get away with. Church attendance is down. Marriage rates are down. Happiness levels are down. There are a few things up in our society, and uh, those point out this problem as well. What's up in the society? Depression and anxiety diagnoses are up. Mental illnesses are up. Uh, drug use is up. Suicide is up. As a whole, our country is not in a very good position, and it comes from this all settling to the bottom, and what's the minimum that is required of me? As Christians, we should be representing a sharp contrast to this. We should be different. We should have a motivation to be busy for the Lord. This, this motivation is ultimately going to have to come from the Lord in our walk with Him, but no one is going to make you do it. No one's going to make you be a better Christian. No one's going to make you do more for God. You're going to have to decide to push yourself. So as we look tonight at the message, I want you to consider what is your motivation like? Are you coasting or are you accelerating? Are you satisfied or are you hungry? Are you waiting? Are you watching or are you working? You know, we should never be content to do the minimum. Jesus condemned this attitude in the story he told about the unprofitable servant. I don't, remember if, I don't know if you remember this story or not, but it was a story he told of a servant who was busy all day feeding cattle, plowing the fields, and he worked all day. Then he came into the house, and he, he, he changed himself. He cleaned himself up. He got dressed, and then he served his master his meal. And afterwards, when the master was served and that was all taken care of, um, he was able to eat himself. And he said he just did what he was supposed to do. And Jesus said, this man was an unprofitable servant, for he did that which was his duty to do. If you only do what's required of you, Jesus labeled that as being unprofitable. Unprofitable. If you wanted to be profitable, if you want to be a profitable servant, you have to go beyond the bare minimum. Go beyond what's just required of you as an individual. We have an example of this um, from the New Testament. Paul. Paul wrote a letter. It's not, Paul's not the example, but he tells us an example. He wrote a letter to a friend of his named Philemon. What had happened was Philemon had a servant, a slave named Onesimus, and this slave had run away. And he had run away, and he was in Rome, and he got himself into some trouble, and he ended up meeting with Paul. Uh, what an accident. That was a d d divine appointment that God put this servant, uh, this slave who had run away, and he put him in the vicinity of Paul. Paul was able to share with him about the Lord, and the servant got saved. And in Philemon 1.11, Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, encouraging Philemon to, to accept Onesimus back and not to punish him for having run away. But in Philemon 1.11, Paul says, this of Onesimus, he says, which, which in times past was to thee unprofitable. He said, you had a servant and he was unprofitable in the past. And Paul says, but now is profitable to thee and to me. He says he, he was unprofitable, meaning he was a servant who only did the bare minimum, but now he's a profitable servant. He's a servant who's going to go beyond the minimum. What's the difference? Between Onesimus as an unprofitable servant and Onesimus as a profitable servant. He'd gotten saved. Paul said because he's saved, he's no longer going to do the minimum. 
he's going to go beyond. It was expected of Paul that now he's a Christian, he's going to behave differently. He's not going to be one who just does the minimum. He's going to be one who's going beyond the minimum and encouraged Philemon to take him back, a profitable servant, based simply on the fact that he'd gotten saved. And so there's an expectation of us as believers that we're going to go beyond the minimum, go beyond what's just required of us. We should be motivated to push ourselves. There's a lot of reasons we should be motivated. I listed some out here. We, have a, we should be motivated because we have a great endowment. You think all God's done for us, and then what have we done for him? That should be a motivation. We, we have, we're coming up to Christmas time. And I remember as a young person, when I was coming to Christmas time and, and buying presents very early on, I was seven, eight years old or somewhere in there, when it was my responsibility to use my own money that I had earned um, to buy Christmas presents. And the rule was, if somebody bought you a Christmas present, you had to buy one for them. And so I knew that my grandparents would get me presents, so I had to get one for them. My uncle was going to, my cousin was going to, my aunt was going to, my uncle was going to, my teacher at church was going to. And so I had this list of people who bought me presents, and I was going to, because they were doing something for me, I was being taught I should want to do something for them. And when it comes to the Lord, how much God has done for us, it should motivate us to do something for him. We've had a great endowment from the Lord. He's done so much for us. What can we do for him? That's the, that's the thought of the song we just sang. Must I go and empty-handed? Must I meet my Savior so? Not one soul with which to give him. Must I empty-handed go? I don't know if I got that quite right. But that's the message of the song. Look at what God did for me. Can I, can I do something for him? We have a great endowment. We also have a great example of, of someone who pushed themselves, and that's in the Lord. You know, God could have very easily been content to stay in heaven and just let, let humanity go to hell in a handbasket because that's what they deserved. But he was motivated to do something about man's condition. God was motivated of himself to go do something for us. We've got an example in God. We've got a great endowment from him. He's done so much for us. What can we do for him? We've got a great example that should motivate us to, be, um, to push ourselves. And that is in that uh, he left heaven to do something for us. Again, what can we do for the Lord? And then we can be motivated by the great emergency. The world today is in a wreck. And what is going to fix it? The, the gospel. That's the only thing that can fix, man. We should be motivated by, look at how bad things are and what they need is the gospel and I'm the one that has it. What can I do for the Lord to, to reach people who are in this great emergency? And that should motivate us as Christians to push ourselves. Especially as we're approaching here the end of a year, the end of something, we're coming down to, oh, the year's closing out. It's easy to get in that mindset of, well, let's just finish this year out. We've got these things we need to do. We'll, we'll get it all accomplished. And then in January, I'll set some New Year's resolutions and I'll push myself then. We, we look ahead and say, well, I'll, I'll push myself later. And we want to kind of stir up that mindset and remember, let's, let's be motivated to serve the Lord now. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 14 is where we're going to begin tonight uh, for our text verse. I told you we're going to go to a couple other places. But if we're starting there in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 14, the Bible says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you that you are motivated to do something uh, for us. And Lord, I ask that you'd help us to be motivated to serve you. I pray you'd stir our hearts with this thought uh, this evening, Lord, that we would be challenged uh, by it to, to do more um, and not to get into get settled in or to coast, Lord, uh, but be excited about our service for you, Lord. We ask that you bless the message tonight and your people as they hear it. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 
We look at Philippians chapter 3 and coming to this verse, this very familiar verse, I press toward the mark. Paul is laying out in the beginning of the chapter his credentials. Here's who I am. If we want to boast when it comes to to accomplishments and when it comes to our flesh and what we can do or what we have done, well, let me lay it out for you. Here's what I can claim. Here's my claim to fame as as an individual based on my flesh, if I was going to brag on that. And he lists all of his credentials of, of the stock of which he was born and the education that he had and the things that he did. And the zeal he had for the things of, uh, of God. And he said, but you know what? Looking at all that, it's, it's nothing. It's worthless. I would give it all up in pursuit of Christ. And then he starts to list his lofty goals. He said, you know what? I'm giving all this up and I'm going after God and I want to be conformable to his death and I want to love his appearing and I want to accomplish He's listing off these great high things that he wanted to do. Verse 10, I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And um, the fellowship of his suffering, conformable to his death, and might attain unto the resurrection of the de- dead. In verse number 12, he, he kind of comes back. He's doing this, hey, look at all that I did, but that's worthless. Look at all that I want to do. And then he stops and says, hey, hold on just a minute. Don't, don't get confused. I haven't got there yet. I've got more that I want to do. That's what he says, not as though I had already attained, verse number 12, or were already perfect. Um, and he said, I haven't, verse number 13, I haven't apprehended. I haven't arrived. I haven't got there Here's what I'm doing, though. I'm pressing forward. That I've got this goal. I've got this what I want to be. Here's what I was. Here's what I want to be. And I'm kind of in the middle. And I'm not there yet, so I'm still pushing forward. I'm still striving. I'm still motivated to do something for the Lord. He's pressing toward the mark. Think about Paul, where he is right now as he writes this letter to the Philippians. I'm motivated. I'm going to do this for the Lord. Where is he? He's in jail right now. He's an old man. He, he's very advanced in his years. His body's in pretty bad shape. I mean, he was already older, and as, as folks get older, bodies start to break down, but that's not including having your body broken with rods and with stones and with hypothermia from being in the deep and from being in shipwrecks. And Paul was in pretty rough shape. He was pretty decrepit. He was a pretty old man. He was, he was not, not doing very well. He was in prison. He was waiting for death. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do something for God. I'm going to keep pushing forward. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to to coast into heaven. I'm going to keep going. I'm pressing on. I'm trying to do something for God. He was pushing himself. Just a few weeks ago, we looked at the lesson on on building a library. And again, Paul in prison, what's he doing? He said, bring me some books. I want to learn something. I want to grow. I want to do. Because Paul was motivated. He pushed himself to do something for the Lord. How motivated are we tonight? Are we pushing or are we coasting? Where are we at? The message tonight, push yourself. And I want to give you, I'm not going to talk so much about the motivation. I'm going to give you three areas. Three areas where you can push yourself. And we're going to look at some examples from the Bible about this. The first is in Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33, if you want to go there with me. Genesis, Exodus, right there at the very beginning. Exodus 33. One area we can push ourselves is we can push ourselves, number one, to stay a little longer. Stay a little longer. Exodus 33. The area we're going to talk about is our walk with the Lord. When it comes to your walk with God, can you push yourself to stay a little longer? The example we have of this is in Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. In verse number 7, it says, And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp. 
afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out unto the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp. We'll pause there. That's um, Exodus 33, verse number 7. What was going on here is there was a tabernacle being set up. Now, this wasn't the tabernacle um, that God gave Moses descriptions of on Mount Sinai. This is a tabernacle, a tent that he set up. He said, hey, if you want to meet with God, God can meet with you. I'm going to put this tent outside the camp, and you can have access to it. If you want to, anybody that wants to, anybody that wants to meet with God, you can go there. And this tent and this tabernacle was set up. And you imagine if, if we're there and this is, these are God's people and they saw all the, all the plagues and they're there in the congregation. And they say, hey, you, anybody that wants to, you want to go meet with God, happen over here. You think there'd be a line at that tent. People waiting to meet with God. But let's keep reading and see what happens. Verse number eight came to pass when Moses went out to the tabernacle. All the people rose up and went to the tabernacle with them so they could meet with God. That's not what it says. All the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. It came to pass as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door and all the people rose up and worshiped every man at their tent door. And access to the presence of God in this tent over there, but they were content, well, let Moses go have a walk with God. We'll benefit from his walk, but, but he can be the one to do that. We'll worship over here. We don't, we don't need to get that close to the Lord. They didn't go themselves. They just tried to benefit from Moses' uh, experience with the Lord. Let me tell you, you can do that. You'll benefit, if you come to church here, you'll benefit from pastor's walk with God. But it's not the same as having one of your own. These people saw God working in Moses' life, and they benefited from it, but the tabernacle was open to all of them. They could have gone. But look at verse number 11. we got a detail here. Moses didn't go to that tabernacle alone. There in verse number 11, The Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he, being Moses, turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Moses went met with God. Hey, anybody can do this. Well, somebody did. A young man named Joshua. This young man, the Bible tells us specifically, he was a young man, and what did he do? He stayed a little bit longer. After Moses met with God, and Joshua saw Moses walk with God, and he saw that walk that Moses had, and said, wow, that's something. Can I have that too? And so what did Joshua do? He said, I'm going to stay a little bit longer. I'm gonna, I could go back with everybody else. I could have stayed at my tent. But I'm going to be here, I'm going to walk with God, and when it comes to my walk with God, I'm going to stay a little bit longer. This is the servant of Moses, but if you know the rest of the story, he became the leader of the nation after Moses died. And I I guarantee you, this event right here had something to do with that decision of God saying, I need somebody to lead these people. Hey, there's a young man that was willing to stay a little bit longer, that wanted to walk with God himself. He wasn't content just to watch Moses walk with God, he wanted to walk with God of his own. When, Mo, when God looks for a leader, he's not looking for strength, charisma, talent, or ability. He's looking in the heart of those who he's going to put into leadership. And Joshua's heart was revealed when he decided to stay in the tabernacle. And we see he stayed a little bit longer after Moses left. So when it comes to our motivation and being motivated, let me encourage you to push yourself in your walk with God. Push yourself in your walk with God. Let me ask this question. When was the last time... You made a change in your walk with the Lord. When was the last time you said, you know what, I want to I stay a little bit longer. 
I, I want to be a little bit more with God. Uh, I don't want to walk a little bit more with the Lord. I want to I stay a little bit longer. I want to push myself to, to do a little bit more in this area of my life. We need to be like Joshua. He decided to stay a little bit longer. I hope that you've made it a habit to walk with God. I hope that's a habit in your life. Let me tell you, this is something that is very hard to maintain. You know, any good habit's hard to maintain. Whatever you're going to try to do and say, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to, I'm going to do something better. The good stuff is a, lot easy, is a lot harder to do than the bad stuff. If I made a New Year's resolution to eat more candy, I could do that without a problem. It would not be difficult at all. Uh, but a New Year's resolution to, to lose weight, that's kind of hard. But a walk with God's not just a good habit. A walk with God is spiritual warfare. And when you go and meet with the Lord, you have an enemy. You have several enemies that don't want that to happen. The world wants you so busy you can't walk with God. Your flesh does not like to be told no, and so it doesn't want you to walk with God. Satan doesn't want you to have victory, so he doesn't want you to walk with God. So it's not just the fact that you're, you're walking with the Lord is a good habit, and good habits are hard to keep. It's a, it's a spiritual habit, and it's a spiritual habit that Satan's going to fight you on. So I know when we, we talk about walking with the Lord that there's a lot of people who say, I try so hard, but I miss a day because I got up early and this happened and somebody came over and, 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 this, and, it, and it's, it's something we struggle with, but it, it's something worth doing. Walking with God, make it a habit. Many people, most people, struggle to maintain a daily walk with God. It's a habit that's hard to form and it's easy to break. That's not an excuse. That's just a, the reality. So let me encourage you to work on this daily habit and practice in your life. Work on it. Make it a daily habit. This is vital to our lives as believers. It's our spiritual food that's going to maintain our spiritual life. It's the only hope we have of seeing victory in our lives. I encourage you, if you're a parent, this is something to work on with your young people. Help them develop this habit in their life. Because, you know what, nobody gets up and tells me to go do my devotions. But somebody gets up and tells my boys to go do their devotions. Because I'm their dad. And I have, that, I have that opportunity right now to help push them so that one day they can push themselves to, to have that. This is the whole reason I've published some books, as many of you know. Four of them are written for children to have a daily walk with God. And that was the motivation as a dad. Look at my kids. I want them to not struggle as much as I do and I did to have a walk with God. So I want this habit in their life much earlier. And that's the reason I, I wrote those books. So they can have that. But I encourage you to, to, to work on this skill of having a walk with God. But just as difficult as it is to have that habit, it's easy to allow that habit to turn into a rut, as Pastor preached about on Sunday night. When you do establish that habit of daily time with God, you must nurture it to keep it alive. What would it look like if your walk with God became a rut? It's getting up, sitting down, reading what you're supposed to read, and then getting up and uh, not remembering anything you just read. Never letting your walk with God have an impact. You, you did what you were supposed to do. You sat down and you read your Bible. But did it do anything for you? Did it, did it touch you? Did it change you? And not saying that every morning has to be this, this wow moment where the cloud descends and you see, see God and it's as if he was talking to you face to face. Not every morning is going to be like that, but is, is your walk with God changing you at all or is it just something that I got it done? That, that, that's the rut we get into. And the way to keep that, stirring that alive is to push ourselves. To say, can I do a little bit more? Can I stay a little bit longer? Challenge yourself. Push yourself to stay a little longer with God. Set a goal. Set a goal with your devotions that will push you. I remember one time as a young man, I was, I would say about 12 to 14 years old, somewhere in there, that I got into that point where I was reading my Bible every day and it was just reading it to get it done. Speed reader, I could be done with my chapters like that and I'd be done, ready to go. And it wasn't affecting me. 
And I challenge myself. I said, you know what? This isn't good. This isn't the way that I want this to be. So I'm not going to get up until I've written down three things I learned from my devotions today. And uh, I'd sit there for a while sometimes. I'd speed read that chapter four or five times. Then I'd, then I'd slow read the chapter because I needed to write something down because I told myself I'm not going to. But what was I doing? I was pushing myself. Say, I-, I want something out of this more than just a habit. Push yourself in your walk with the Lord. Maybe challenge yourself in prayer. Learn to pray for an hour. Have a goal of praying through the prayer list, uh, maybe every weekday or something like that. Journal. Journal your prayer life. Say, you know, here's, here's a, some, something that I'm not doing, but I could stay a little bit longer and do this with, with the Lord. Next few weeks, we're going to make a Bible schedule available to you. We're going to have a working on a Bible reading schedule for this coming year. That'll be available to you. Maybe start there. And challenge yourself. If, if you're not having the daily walk, just start right there and read what's there. But maybe you get that paper. You say, you know what? I want to do a little bit more. I want to stay a little bit longer. You can add something to it. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm saying this publicly so that I can, uh, now I have to do it. Uh, I'm challenging myself in my devotions this coming year. I found a 90-day Bible reading schedule. Uh, read through the Bible in three months. And uh, I'm going to do it starting January 1st. And, and that's something that I said, you know, I, I want more out of my walk with God. And, uh, and it is easy to get in that habit of just reading. And I got it done. And I got something else to do. But I can't do that if I'm going to read through the Bible in three months. So it's going to force myself to slow down. And it's a goal I have to say, you know what, I want to do a little bit more. I want to stay a little bit longer. Have a goal. Push yourself. It's a lot. But God spoke to my heart about staying a little bit longer in my walk with him. This brings us to a practical point about setting goals. I just want to share this with you. It's kind of going to be encompassing in the message, very, very practical. But how do we set a goal? How do we accomplish a goal? This isn't original to me, but you've heard, probably heard before, many of you. Maybe you haven't. But there's an acronym called SMART that is, that'll help you set a goal. I'm going to go through it right now. Because uh, it's easy to get into a service like this and you hear, you know what? Yeah, I want to do something more for God. And you come down to the altar and you tell God you're going to do something. And then we don't do it because we, we weren't smart about how we, how we set this goal to push ourselves for the Lord. So the acronym is this. You got to make a smart goal. Number one, it should be simple. S. Simple. Start with one thing. Do that consistently before you do more. Don't decide. Come to the altar tonight and say, okay, God, starting tomorrow, I'm going to start getting up at 4 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. I'm going to read 10 chapters a day instead of just reading one. I'm going to pray for an hour instead of reading for just for five minutes. I'm going to start a journal, write down everything I'm thankful for every day, and I'm going to read, or I'm going to memorize a chapter of the Bible, and I'm going to start tomorrow. Well, that's not going to happen. If you're not doing a lot of that already, that's not going to happen. So simple, you know what, I'm going to do, I'm going to do one thing. Pick one thing and, and go from there. One small change, become proficient, and then make another goal later on. So simple. Number two, M, measurable. This means your goal should be specific and defined. Don't come to the altar and say, God, I want to do better. I want to do more. That's not, you're not going to do anything because you haven't said what you're going to do. Be, make it a measurable goal. Maybe say something, I want to spend 15 minutes in prayer every weekday. Monday to Friday, I want to spend 15 minutes. That's a measurable. I can see that happen, and I can see it take place in my life. Measurable. Uh, The third one, A-S-M-A, this is achievable. Understand what you're capable of, and put your goal a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Tell you, if you've never read through the Bible in a year... 
Don't come to me after church tonight and say, I want to do that with you and, spend, and read through the Bible in three months. No, that's, that's not achievable. I'm not saying I'm any better than you or anything. It's, it's what you're, you're comfortable with, capable of, and go a little bit beyond that. Understand yourself and, uh, and what you're capable of. See, you're not me. I'm not you. Neither one of us are Brother Lee. We, we, we're all different. We have different things that we've done and accomplished and, and are able to do. So set an achievable goal. I remember the first time as a teenager, I decided I was going to pray all night. I heard a service about Jesus praying all night. And I said, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray all night. And I made it to about 1230. Um, and I made it to about 1230 because I started at about 1030. Um, but prior to that time, I'd never prayed for more than an hour. I'd prayed for an hour a couple times. But you don't go from praying for an hour to praying for eight hours just because you heard a good service. All right? It's got to be achievable. Say, what am I capable of? What can, what, what can I do? Don't set yourself up for failure. This kind of ties in with the R. The R is realistic. Make a realistic goal. Don't set a goal that's impossible and make yourself um, fail before you even begin. Titus, the other day, he asked me, Dad, if it was all you did, could you read through the whole Bible in one day? Well, it takes about 45 hours to read through the Bible straight through. I can't do that in a day. So for me to get up and say, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read the whole Bible today. It's not going to happen. And so don't set a goal for yourself that's unrealistic, and then you're going to um, fail at that. Don't expect more of yourself than's possible. You remember Brother John Smith over the last few years that he was here. I don't know if you knew this, but he became very accomplished with Scripture memory. And, uh, and he was very proficient at that, and he, and he worked at that. He had several hundred Bible verses that he had memorized, and he reviewed on a daily basis. I don't know how long it took, but it took it, I would estimate he spent at least two hours a day working on scripture memory. But he is retired. It would not be a realistic goal for me to decide to start spending two hours a day on scripture memory. Because I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And so set a realistic goal. So S-M-A-R and then T. Timely. Put a time frame on your goal. Either a time to finish something, like I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, or I'm going to read through the Bible in 90 days, or a time to spend on something. You know what? Tomorrow I want to spend 30 minutes in Bible study and prayer. Set a time on it. Uh, maybe a time to do something. I want to pray through our prayer list every Tuesday and every Thursday. Have a time frame. Maybe a time to establish something. Say, so you know what? By February, I want, to spend, I want to be getting up at 5.30 and spending half an hour in prayer. Put some time limits on your goal so you know that you're hitting it, or some time restraints on your goal. And then the part of this time frame is to break your goal into measurable steps. Let's say you set the goal, I want to pray for an hour. Well, start with tomorrow and all of next week, pray for five minutes at least. And then the week after that, set a goal to, okay, I'm going to pray for 10 minutes every day this week. And the week after that, I'm going to pray for 15 minutes, set measurable steps and say, how many am I going to get from here where I am to where I want to be? This is just some practical tips on setting some goals. Make some smart goals. These will be helpful in pushing yourself to do a little bit more and to stay a little longer. Staying a little longer with God is something that we as Christians can and should push ourselves to do. Think of that example of Joshua. He, had, he saw somebody else had to walk with God. He said, you know what, I want that for myself. So in order for me to get where Moses is at, I've got to do a little bit more than he's doing because I'm not there yet. And push yourself to do a little bit more. Don't compare yourself, as I, as I mentioned, that this comes to mind. Don't compare yourself with where somebody else is at. Compare yourself with where you were at this time last year. Are you doing any more? Are things any better? Look at yourself next year. Can things be any better? Yes, they can. We just need to push ourselves to, number one, stay a little longer. Number two, 
A second area where we can motivate ourselves, uh, we push ourselves, is to go a little further. Go a little further. This is going to be in reference to our service with God. I say it that way, with God intentionally. Your service with God. The Bible describes us as Christians as fellow laborers together with God. When Jesus was here on earth, he had some fellow laborers, some guys that did ministry with him. Who were they? They were his disciples. And when you look at the disciples, you saw this group who was ministering and serving with God, but there was some of those group who often went a little further than the rest of the group did Often in a literal sense. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We see an example of this. Now this example is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And has to do specifically with prayer. But I want you to see that the the literal what's going on is that the disciples, there's a couple of them who were special to the Lord. But when we see constantly through their life is, you know what, they went a little bit further when it came to serving with God. A little further than the rest of the disciples went. Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them, that's the disciples, unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. And he said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Picture it with me. The disciples are with Jesus. He says, hey, you guys, wait here. I'm going to go pray. And with him, when he goes, three of these disciples tag along and said, you know what? We're going to go a little bit further with Jesus. And then Jesus says, okay, now you pray here, and I'm going to go over here and pray. And that's where, that's where they stayed. But three disciples who went a little further when it came to ministering with God. And that's just one instance, but we know that throughout the ministry of Christ, these three men said, you know what? We're going a little bit further. And sometimes Jesus invited them to go a little bit further. Sometimes they just did a little bit further. We see more from these men and they went on for God. And that's kind of the encouragement tonight with this thought is when it comes to our service with the Lord, can we go a little bit further? Can we push ourselves in our ministry? First point with this is to have a ministry. You can't push yourself in your ministry if you don't have one. And, and we're a serving church, and I've not got anybody in mind tonight, and I'm thankful for the service that happens here, so consider your ministry. What are you doing for God as a part of this church? What are you doing with God in a part of this church? Everyone can find a place to serve. Here's a good, good practical goal, is to try to have in your ministry, in your mind, have some ministry of inreach and some ministry of outreach. What do you mean by that? Inreach is ministry here at the church to the church family. And a ministry of outreach is from the church to the world. Try to have an area where you're reaching in and where you're reaching out. And, and, and make that a goal to, to, to serve the Lord. Example, choir is an in-reach ministry. John and Romans is an outreach ministry. And there's a lot of different ones we could talk about in both of those categories. But, but consider what ministry do I have with the church, with the Lord? And then when you look at your ministry in particular, say, yeah, I want, you know what? I want to go a little further. I want, to do a little, I want to push myself to do a little bit more with the Lord. Many of the people in our church have multiple ministries they're serving in. If you're serving in a ministry, you should be pushing yourself to make your responsibility within that ministry a little bit better. Now, maybe, you, maybe you're a helper in a class, and you're not the one who directs where that class ends up. But you have a role to play, and in that role, look at it and say, what can I do to, to do a little bit more, to, 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 to go a little bit further in my ministry? You can be pushing yourself. How can you serve in a way that makes your ministry better? I'll give you a couple examples. You say, well, 
All I do is take attendance in a Sunday school class. That's, that's my ministry. What do, I, what do I do? How do I do anything? How do I push myself there? Well, have you checked with all the kids to make sure their names are spelled right? Um, and see, you know what, are these all accurate, these records? That's the way you could push to make your ministry a little bit better. Have you, uh, have you ever written a letter to a kid that missed last week? You're the one that noticed they were gone. Have you ever stopped and gave a phone call to the family or sent, uh, sent a text? That's the way to go a little bit further. Let them know what they missed and what the lesson was about. You say, well, that's the head teacher's job. Well, they have a lot of things that they're looking at, and they can do that, but you can too. All right? I heard one pastor put it this way. He said, you know, if, if you do it right and you make the right motions, your car can end up at the hospital just like mine can. It was a sermon I was listening to. You know, we can, all, we can all serve. It's not limited to one person in the class to minister to the kids. And you say, well, I take attendance. You knew that they were gone. Did you do anything with that information? You ever taken a copy of the list home and prayed for the kids, each of them by name? Have you looked up when their birthday is to make sure you greet them when you're taking their attendance that, that, that it's been their birthday? Maybe sent them a, a, a birthday card. As a small area, say, here's my service. What can I do? Invest a little bit of time to say, how can I push myself? Let's give another example. Say, well, all I do is vacuum a hallway. I, I just, I just, we got a lot of people that run vacuums, and we're thankful for it around here. What, what, can I, what would be some ways to push myself? You ever emptied the vacuum cleaner when you were done? You ever washed the filters or, or cleaned out the filters? Now, if you don't know how to, don't go try. Um, <laughs> you can ask for help, but we can say, you know what, I, I want to make, make this a little better. Cleaned all the hair out of the roller uh, that gets caught in there. Uh, you ever take a, notice the spots that didn't vacuum and gotten the shampooer out? You ever cleaned scuffs off the, off the baseboard? You ever made sure the lines came out nice and straight? In the, just what's my area and what can I do? How can I go a little further? Go a little further to honor God a little bit. Maybe nobody else notices, but you do and God does. And so look at some ways to, to push yourself in that way to go a little further. We can all evaluate areas in our service, go a little further, make them a little better. And the same thing I said before applies. Make it a smart goal. Don't say, okay, I'm going to do all this, and this is going to be, you know, it's never going to be the same attendance at Hunt Valley Baptist Church. You know? so let's, let's pick one thing, and let's make it a little bit better, get proficient at that, and, and we'll go a little further after that. Push yourself to go a little further. Push yourself to stay a little longer. And thirdly tonight, lastly, Galatians chapter 6, we can push ourselves to work a little harder. One last area I'd like to challenge us in is to push ourselves in our work for God. Now, this is very closely aligned with what I just mentioned as far as our ministry responsibility. But in general, we have a lot that we do for the Lord, a lot that we can do for the Lord. I mentioned in Sunday school the idea of we know what to do as Christians. We're supposed to be reading our Bible. We're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be witnessing. We're supposed to be, we have all these things we know we're supposed to do. Can, can I push myself to go beyond the bare minimum? Because the bare minimum is unprofitable. You know, God wants me to read my Bible every day. Well, just reading my Bible every day is only meeting the requirement. Jesus said just meeting the requirement is unprofitable. I got I to go beyond that. That's the expectation. So push ourselves to work a little harder. I told you Galatians 6, and I didn't turn there. Give me just a second. Galatians chapter 6. Very familiar verses again, verses 7 through 10. The Bible says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Here we're admonished, don't be weary in well-doing. We're all busy for the Lord. 
Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Thursday night, ministries, Saturday ministries, other things, banquets that we have going on, work parties. We have, we have this stuff that we get busy doing for the Lord, and it can be exhausting. And, and I know that, and I'm aware of that, and I'm sensitive to that, and pastor is as well. We talk often, can we take some of the load away? Because people are so busy, and, and, and we don't want to wear people out, but it's a good kind of busy. It's a good kind of tired. And God says, don't be weary when it comes to doing well. Why? Because in due season we shall faint. Well, we shall reap if we faint not. Looking at the context here, I read all those verses to point out the reason he's saying don't be weary well doing is because you're going to reap what you sow. You, you, you do something for God, it's going to come back to you. God is going to reward that, so don't give up on your service for God. And what are we supposed to do? That's what verse 10 was. As we have opportunity, let us therefore do good unto all men, especially they that are of the household of faith. Do, do something for somebody else, even if you're tired, because God sees it and God's going to reward it. So is there an area we can go a little further? We can work a little harder. It's easy to get into a rut in our service. As Pastor was preaching on, on Sunday night, that, that idea of a rut, that, you know what, I have what I'm supposed to do. I get it done because it has to be done. And, and, and that's, that's, it happens just because it's supposed to happen. And I can kind of just sit here and coast. And we need to guard against that just get it done attitude. Maybe this week, it's all we can do to make sure it happens, all right? The things happen here and here, and, and i got to go at a different time to make sure this gets done. I'm just going to make sure it happens, and I can't do any extra this week. But if that happens every week, nothing extra is ever going to happen. So take some time when you have time to say, what can I do? How can I go a little further? If we only do every week what is required, the ministry and those we're ministering to will suffer, you know, I taught the junior church class for a lot of years, and I enjoyed teaching the junior church class for a lot of years. And thankfully, I'm very, very thankful uh, to and for them. Jacob and Rihanna have taken over that ministry, and, and, and they're working, and, and, they're, and they're serving down there. But when I was in junior church, when I started, there were some weeks... Junior church just had to happen, all right? It had been a, maybe vacation Bible school, maybe there's a funeral. You know, junior church, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. We're going to make it happen, and that was all I could do to make sure that it happened. But there were other weeks where there wasn't as much going on. I said, you know, what can I do this week to make junior church a little bit better, a little more exciting where the kids can learn a little bit more? And, and it wasn't a big deal. It was just a small change. I, I added a picture to the back of the words for the song. And you know what? Then I, then, I, then I added something to the font of the words so you could actually read it on top of the picture the next week. All right? and, but when I had time, I said, you know what? What can I do to, to, go a little, to work a little harder uh, in this area? And if you would have attended junior church when I took it over, and when you took to, attended junior church when I turned it over, they were completely different classes. Why? Because there were eight years of little moments of working a little harder. Not much, five, ten minutes when I had time. Say, so you know what? I'm not just going to make it happen this week. I want to do a little bit more. If you came to junior church, I'm surprised anybody came to junior church when I started. We would come in class. We would sing two songs. We would play a game. We would have another song, and I would preach for 50 minutes. Um, that was junior church when I started. That was not junior church when I ended because some things happened where a little bit along the way worked a little bit harder. You know, that's the reason why our VBSs are the way they are is because over a lot of years... We've said, what can we do now to work a little bit harder so next year we won't have as much to do? So we built some stages. 
And now we have stages every year. And we don't have to do that work again. And then we built some legs for those stages. And now it's done because we worked a little bit harder last year. Oh, and then we painted all the stages, so now they all match when it's done. Why? Because we worked a little bit harder a a year ago. And then there was a year where we took all the lights off of the light bar and we put them up in the ceiling so they're ready to go for banquets or whatever. Why? Because, and that's done. And it was very easy today to go get those pulled out. And uh, why? Because we worked a little harder when we had time to. If we had to do all of that every year for Vacation Bible School, we couldn't have the Vacation Bible Schools we do. But we get to do great things today because there's been times where we said, you know what, let's work a little bit harder. And things in the future get a little bit easier. And we get to do more because now we have opportunity to work a little bit harder. And we don't have to invest so much time because all the hard work's already been done. And we get to do a little bit more. And you can do the same in your life. When it comes to, to your walk with God, don't make every day the hardest working day of your life for the Lord. Because you, you, you can't live your life that way. But maybe today you have time to work a little harder. And say, you know what? I have the time. I'm going to, instead of just cutting out early and going home to scroll YouTube on my phone, why don't I stay for five more minutes and, and work a little bit harder? I, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to overburden all of us with this, this huge responsibility. But we shouldn't be coasting. We shouldn't be just comfortable We shouldn't be the same old, same old every week because then we never change and we never get better. So let's let's just go out of drive in the first or out of out of neutral in the first gear. And and let's 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 do a little bit. Let's do a little. Maybe we want to stay a little bit longer. When you're walk with God, what's an area where I say, you know what, I can do this small change to make my walk with God a little bit different this week, this month, this year. Maybe I'll, I can go a little bit further in my ministry and not just show up and do what's required of me and leave. Maybe I can go a little bit further and, and make this a little bit better. Or maybe there's an area where I can work a little bit harder. But as Christians, let's have a spirit of doing more than what's required. Let's have a spirit of not coasting, not going down to the bottom level, not finding our own level, but saying, you know what, I want to accomplish something for God. Let's learn to push ourselves. That comes from our walk with God. He'll motivate us to do it, but nobody's going to make you. You have to push yourself. 